Welcome to Winning with Diversity, a podcast to help you learn the strategies to transform your business through diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm your host, Kurt Merriweather, VP of Products at the Diversity Movement. Today, we'll be exploring how organizations can build high-performing teams to create new products and develop innovative ideas to unlock business growth. I'm thrilled to be joined by Sharon Delaney McLeod, a multi-hyphenate, VP uh, <laughs> of Professional Development at Walk West, also an adjunct professor at North Carolina State University, a consultant at the diversity movement, a TED Talk speaker, a former news anchor, and professional speaker extraordinaire. Welcome to the show, Sharon. <laughs> Thanks so much, Kurt. What a very nice introduction, and I'm thrilled to be on the very first episode. Uh, well, I wouldn't have it any other way than to kick things <laughs> off. And so you've been an integral part of what we're doing at the diversity movement. So I wanted you to talk about how you got involved and why you think clients that we're talking to or other people you're talking to think diversity, equity, and inclusion is so important, especially as it relates to innovation. Absolutely. First, Kurt, I think it would be important to just give a little bit of background on my diversity journey and, and just so that people can understand from the lens in which I look at things. I'm the child of immigrants, and that plays a very, very important role to me. Mm-hmm. I like to say that I'm a citizen of the world, and I mean that through and through. So my parents emigrated to the U.S. kind of searching and looking for the American dream. They got transferred, and I was actually born in East Africa, and so went to really diverse schools and had some amazing opportunities as a child, and then moved to the United States when I was in the third grade and moved to this small community out in Long Island, New York, and it was the most homogeneous population of people I had ever been around, and it was so odd, and it seemed frankly, to me, very bland. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sameness was all around me. And then we only lived there for about three years before moving to Miami. Well, Miami felt much more like home as far as having that unique perspective from so many different cultures. Miami is such an international Mm -hmm. city. And so that really formed who I am and, and really loving to learn and be curious about people of all backgrounds. And so when We at Walk West, we do professional development training. That's the part of the practice that I spend most of my time. And my colleagues, you and Donald and and Jackie and several of us had been doing a lot of speaking and training on bits and pieces of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, For me, I was doing a lot of women's conferences and talking to high-level teams about gender equity. But not until we started really delving into the full holistic picture of DEI did I start to learn about all the other things. And, you know, like our our partner, Donald Thompson, likes to say, I've become a competitive learner. And you and and Jackie and he and I and, and others on the team really dug in and went after the learning part and got our certified diversity executive certification. And That has been an incredible learning curve for me, seeing DEI from a whole new perspective that I had never considered before. And I thought I was, you know, pretty woke on the whole situation, and I was not. 
And then the other thing that I'm finding now, Kurt, is when we're going in and doing professional development training for the C-suite, one of the first things we're asking now that we weren't doing before is how do you talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion as a leader for your organization? What does your messaging look like? How do you talk about it? Are you comfortable talking about it? Where are you in that journey? And so it's really opened up a whole new line of discussions, which then leads to the innovation on how people are going to learn. And that's where we come back to you, Kurt. All right. Well, I I think it's time to uh, flip the tables. And of course, this is comfortable for you. I'll I'll let you go ahead and I'll sit in the, the guest chair. Yeah, Kurt, I mean, this is and this is actually much more comfortable for me to me be asking you the questions. And so I'm I'm in my sweet spot right now. And, you know, everybody has a very unique journey in their DEI knowledge and education and life experience. And with the diversity movement, I love that, you know, for you now you get to really be in that world 40 hours a week or more. I know way more because I'm a workaholic. That's your 40 hours a week is just half your week, right? Part-time on that. But tell us a little bit more about what your DEI journey has looked like over the course of your career and as a Black American growing up here. Right. So I experienced this in lots of different ways. So when I was uh, studying engineering at Ohio State, I happen to be the president of the National Society of Black Engineers there and have always looked for opportunities to connect uh, other people who are are underrepresented and provide opportunities. And so that was the thing that I became passionate about when I was there is to help students say, you know, you can work at, at that point, the company before Boeing, companies that probably people have not heard of before, but technology companies and provide a uh, path to organizations that were looking for for different kinds of employees. And so I've been passionate about that, providing the bridge since uh, I was in school. And so had the opportunity to uh, work at Procter & Gamble and be one of the leaders in their uh, employee resource group there, coming out of school and help put together a conference. And at that point, I had no idea that Procter & Gamble was an anomaly. I thought every company was like that. Oh, wow. So with that ERG, there back then there weren't really diversity officers at any company. At, right. And when I say back then, we're, we're probably talking 20 years ago, maybe? Right. So we're talking about, uh, you know, if I date myself a little bit, the 90s. <laughs> the um, 90s, yeah. And so ERGs, were they just kind of, or those affinity groups, was that a newish thing with corporate America? It was. I mean... Procter & Gamble was probably one of the first organizations to do that. Xerox is one of the organizations that people point to as the originator of uh, employee resource groups. And so this was early days. We had the opportunity to uh, have the organization invest and, and make sure that Black employees had an opportunity to network and connect and have mentorship opportunities. I didn't know how far ahead Procter & Gamble was. Throughout my career, I've recognized that that was an anomaly. And so there are many organizations that don't have that kind of infrastructure set up to think about how to help their employees be connected to opportunities to innovate in their organizations. And so we had the opportunity at that point to have speakers come in. And I remember having a speaker come in from a technology company talking about what his journey was as an alumni of Procter & Gamble. And so it opened my eyes to other opportunities that existed. And so that was one of the things that was formative for me 
in thinking about what was next. So I could go on and on about my background, but I think having been in so many different spaces, so many different organizations, knowing what it's like to be the other in an organization, I want to make sure that other people don't have to experience that and that they're uh, recognized for their achievements and the things that they do beyond physical characteristics like race or sexual orientation or gender identity. And so when I think about innovation, the, the way I think about it is, is broader than technology. It's really about how do you bring different kinds of people together who've had different experiences so that they can do something amazing that hasn't been done before. And so technology now is a piece of that, but it's, it's really getting the right people in the right seats who are not the same to come up with ideas that they wouldn't have come up with otherwise if they weren't together. And so that's, that's how I think about my background, my past, and you know, spending time at Stanford and some other companies and AOL and Discovery and having those opportunities to, to work at some of those organizations you know, has definitely formed you know, how I think about innovation. And I love that the innovation piece, I think the easy default when you hear the word innovation is technology, but innovation is also so many other things. It's new kinds of thinking, right. new kinds of perspectives. And so I love that idea that innovation goes hand in hand with all things DEI. Now, why are you doing and have you decided to kick off and start this particular podcast, the, the DEI and innovation together? The reason for kicking the podcast off is to have opportunities for other folks who are thought leaders in their respective spaces so we can start to dig into those areas that I was touching before around innovation. And so innovation from thinking about business model innovation, thinking about technology innovation, certainly, uh, thinking about bringing new products to market and design thinking is something that a lot of people have talked about. So how do you approach a business problem, but from a designer's perspective? And how do you come up with new ideas and prototyping new ways to approach problem solving? And that's important when organizations are rolling out diversity, equity, and inclusion programs or initiatives, because it's really about change management or business transformation as much as anything else. And so when you're thinking about an organization as a product, and you're thinking about how to change the design of that organization, Thinking about that organization with, I'm going to run a pilot, I'm going to see how that does, I'm going to get data around how that did, and then I'm going to scale that. That's a way to think about just about anything, but a lot of people don't think about that in the context of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I want to have uh, leaders from their various disciplines come and talk about uh, how they innovate, but doing it through the lens of having different kinds of members of teams to build either technology or new services or new products or new ways of working or new methodologies. You know, what you just said reminds me of a story I recently heard about the founder of a product that required an incredible amount of problem solving, but from different perspectives mm -hmm. and how he did it. And I'm sure there's, you know, there's so many examples of this, but when I think about this, it also brings in another area of diversity that you and I have learned a lot about in the last year, and that's disability inclusion. Because that's an element of DEI that people often forget. It's, right. it's almost an afterthought, people with varying disabilities mm -hmm. or abilities. But it was uh, the founder of a company called E1 Timepieces. And they are the most beautiful, well, they're more than, they don't like to call them watches, but they're the most beautiful timepieces you could imagine. And he was a student at MIT. 
and he happened to have a classmate who was blind. Right. And he said, so how can my classmate tell time other than using a smartphone or the, the clunkiness of an iWatch? It just didn't, it didn't work. And so they innovated and using problem solving to create the most beautiful product that is, and here's the interesting statistic, 95% of their customers are sighted. And only 5% have a visual disability, but it's because it's the most beautiful product that was designed from the beginning to be inclusive of all. And taking that analogy and putting that into place in how we're hiring teams, when we bring in people from all diverse backgrounds, how can we all learn from each other? And, And that leads to my next question, Kurt. When you go in and you're helping companies build teams, you're a builder. I mean, you're it's in your DNA as an engineer, but also you're a team builder. And you 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 bring people together and find where their sweet spots are and how they align with what role fits best for them. How do you bring that now with the DEI lens very deliberately? The thing to uh, that we would do uh, when we're thinking about teams and how to construct those teams is to really have a, a strong emphasis on what problem that team is trying to solve. That's something that seems logical, but most people don't actually start with the problem they're trying to solve when they're creating a team. Sometimes they start with, well, other people are doing it like this, so let's copy what they did, or let's kind mm-hmm. of almost cut and paste what they did or search and find. And when you're thinking about the problem that you're trying to solve, differently. And then that unlocks new ways to do team assembly. And so, for example, uh, I was doing some reading recently about the Gap. They have a uh, organization that they call Color Proud, which is a product inclusion council. And one of the things that they looked at was creating a sense of belonging for customers who were coming into their locations. They recognized that there was an opportunity to do something different around shades of nude. So nude usually has a certain connotation the same thing as you're seeing this with uh bandages now too Mm -hmm. where bandages used to come in one shade or nude came in one shade and so their team looked at different shades that represented their entire customer base and so they needed to have team members who were consistent with the customers they were trying to reach so they understood their problems in a unique way and that's that's one of the things that's important especially in the technology space around solving different kinds of problems. And so there's stories of, uh, for example, bias in technology. When the Apple products first came out uh, around the credit card that they launched, it turned out that women weren't given the same credit score, I believe, that men were. There, There were some issues around gender in terms of that somehow, or there's facial recognition software that doesn't pick up darker faces it only picks up lighter faces. And so when you don't have the right people designing algorithms or thinking about credit score algorithms in, in that case, I, or the terms weren't the same, I think that, that was the issue. But when you have that happen, then the reason for that is the team makeup isn't the right team makeup because it's, it's too homogeneous. And so when you think about the problem I'm trying to solve, I'm just trying to cre- create a universal algorithm to recognize faces. Well, I need more people who look different to solve that problem differently, just like you were mentioning before around universal design so that that watch works well, no matter who you are and looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
and it works for folks who are visually impaired. And so what we're trying to find is opportunities to focus on one segment that provides opportunities for everybody because of the right the right approaches and thinking around building that product or that solution. And that same line of thinking can be brought into every industry, right? every sector. I think about healthcare, for example, mm-hmm. and clinical trials. I don't know the exact percentages, but for many years, the majority of medicines have only ever been tested on men. Right. <laughs> and right. for that matter, white men. That's right. And so you have these results that you're trying to use for the entire population that looks way different than the one test subject. And as someone who's actually done a clinical trial and and gone through it, you know, it, it it's a rigorous thing, but there needs to be more diversity in thought in all aspects of how you're going to recruit people when thinking about different products that are solving all types of really important problems that have to be solved in our world. We've got complex issues that require a a, a really diverse voices and and chorus of thought rather than just a solo, (laughs) right? Right. That's right. That's that's a really important point around healthcare and what we're dealing with now around healthcare disparities. And part of that comes from not having factual information about how to serve a specific population because the teams don't have members of that population among them. Yeah. And so in order to create empathy, it's necessary to have a diverse team so that that team, if you looked at the collective empathy or the collective IQ of that team, it, it increases when you have different kinds of people who are making decisions. And so that's, you know, that's what we're on the hunt for is finding ways to help teams unlock all those opportunities. Now, you're working with organizations of all sizes, organizations that are at many different places on the spectrum, as we learned in our course of the continuum of where they are in their diversity journey or their DEI journey. What are some of the ways that you are innovating right now with the diversity movement? I can go on, obviously, for hours about that question starting with the way that we work with clients in our initial engagements and so what we want to be able to do is provide our resources tools and methodologies to fundamentally change the culture of the organization so that they create business impact so when we when we think about who we are as an organization we're really business strategists to think through things with an equity lens and that's how we start is to understand what the business problem is that that organization is trying to solve for uh, by having different kinds of talent in that organization to fulfill the the mission of the organization and to do what that organization needs to do. So there are three phases that we when we work with an organization, there's the assessment phase, the learning phase, and then there's the engagement phase. And so when we're creating products and services, what we want to be able to do is streamline those processes. Uh, so that in the assessment, we can create a set of benchmarks that we can look and see how progress is being made over time. And so we'll look at both quantitative data as well as qualitative data, meaning that we'll look at survey results or we'll have conversations within the organization to understand the temperature starting with the leadership. Because if the leadership's not bought in, it's not going to be a very successful endeavor based on our experience. Once we have a good sense of what's happening in the organization, then we roll out learning tools. 
And so starting with the course that we were able to develop, beginning with uh, Diversity Beyond the Checkbox that has five modules, we start with that course. And that allows us to scale our impact so that we're not just reliant on being face-to-face -face with an organization, but the, the folks who take that course can spend time, fast forward, rewind, focus on the areas that are uh, going to help them along their journeys and do that in their the safety of their homes. Because a lot of times we find that people need psychological safety, yeah. like progress and learning concepts that might be uh, difficult to grasp. And when, when we want to make sure that folks aren't feeling embarrassed as they're going through some of that content. Kurt, it's I'd love to expand on that just a little bit for people who, who are fairly new to all of this mm -hmm. and how that can be so important because I think that so many people are afraid to approach meaningful discussions like this at work because they're afraid to say the wrong thing. They don't want to hurt That's someone's right. feelings. They're afraid that they'll be looked at as, as the outlier who has a different set of thinking than everyone else. And so what do they do? Nothing. Right. And so that's what I love about the online course. And it's interesting. We had it done way before the, not way before, but we had it done and published before yep. the pandemic. And, and so what it really does is it allows people by themselves or with a small group to go through the course and not feel like you're being judged if you, if you don't have all the right answers or the right things to say. And I, I think that's really important to emphasize that psychological safety aspect of that, Kurt. That's right. And that was something that we thought of early and had no idea what was going to happen uh, when we were in development. And so it's one of the things that helped propel where we are uh, is, is thinking about how to scale learning so that it's not dependent on face-to-face -face interaction. And what we hope to see is that it reinforces face-to-face -face interaction. Uh, so when, whenever, whenever we see content that's delivered, that creates opportunities to have a discussion. And when you have more discussion and has the opportunity to say, well, let me go back and learn more. And so it, we have the cycle that we're starting to see. And now that, that have you seen some really impactful evolutions within the companies you're working over the last 12 months or so? We have, uh, there are a couple of clients that we've been working with. Uh, there's Bayada, who's in the home healthcare space that has made significant progress and has been able to build infrastructure in ways that they were surprised by. And uh, we've had new leaders join that organization and say, you know, we can't believe how much progress Bayada has been able to make in a short time period since we launched the work about a year ago. And so we've been able to see that organization really become much more uh, engaged in terms of connecting DEI to the business and making sure that they're thinking about how to shift, you know, whether it's the leadership team, making sure that they roll out their employee resource councils and to do the work so that it does become a core part of them delivering you know, better services to the diverse uh, population they have in healthcare. Yeah, and they're so, going into people's homes. They right, know they're going into people's yeah. homes. And so they're dealing with the challenges that come with doing that. And I, I think they've done very well in being able to adopt a lot of the approaches and education and tools that we've provided to them as they as they move forward. Another client I would point to is Abrigo, who's taken the same sort of approach as they've built their solutions to uh, around implementing DEI in the organization and that we've been able to employ some of the tools and the technology in that organization beyond the e-learning course. So we're excited about what they're doing there. What I love also is that, and, and I think this is really 
pointing to what you've been able to do. You're constantly thinking of what's next, what's new, what can we continue right. to do to keep people engaged? So let's talk a little bit about TDM Connect, the uh, almost like the gamification of how to get people talking about these important things. Yeah, this, thanks for asking about that, uh, Sharon. So TDM Connect or the Diversity Movement Connect is an app that we developed so that we can reinforce learning. So it's one thing to understand something intellectually. It's another thing to understand something practically with hands-on reinforcement. And so we know that learning or better learning happens that way when you've got that kind of reinforcement. So the app has 30 custom actions, uh, whether it's watching a video, reading a book, uh, learning a new recipe, having a conversation that could be challenging or attending an event focused on DEI, you're able to earn points and compete with other people inside your organization. And so the competition, of course, is friendly and it's engaging and it's fun. And we see teams competing against one another with the winners of teams being able to not only have the joy of getting to know each other, but also being able to do things like donating proceeds to a, a organization in their local community that is uh, consistent with what they believe from a DEI perspective or uh, being able to have lunch with the CEO uh, as another example and, and having some more uh, team building kinds of rewards. And so what we're seeing is that we're taking these real world actions and that's turning into behavior change. And uh, one of our clients was talking about the fact that when they had one of their team members go through the Connect app, they were able to learn because there was no prescribed path. And so something that we know about learning is that when there's not a prescribed way that you should do something, that learning happens faster. Oh, like choose your own adventure. Right. So when you have have a choose your own adventure, here's I want to do this action, I want to do this action, then it lowers the barriers to learning, get control over what's happening. Nice. Well, those are all the learnings that we're getting from people using the product. That's, That's very cool. Now, we also have a TDM, the Diversity Movement Community online that people from outside your organization, lots of people, including members of our own team that you can interact with. Talk about that a little. The idea behind TDM Community is to provide a professional networking space for DEI leaders and champions and advocates. And what we were seeing is that last year in particular, there were many people in organizations that were thrust into positions that they didn't have network or a support system to execute whatever was in front of them, whether it was launching an employee resource group or thinking about how to build a business case around DEI or coming up with an annual report talking about how that organization was making progress and then grappling with things that we've not seen before, uh, whether it was the insurrection at the Capitol or violence in the Asian American Pacific Islander community. And so we wanted to provide ways for organizations to get access to our team at scale and the leaders of those organizations to get access to our team, to be part of events and conversations and get access to resources to help them do the work that they've done. And so we're excited about what we're seeing so far in terms of the growth in the community, and we expect that to continue. And so providing that kind of uh, network where you can instantly get plugged in to here's what I need to do mm. started in my organization. That was the emphasis of the community. 
it's almost like an association that that we've created that people can go in and, and get support for educational resources and bouncing ideas off of other leaders and, and advocates in the space. That's, that's right. That's, now, what about TDM analytics? What is that? So TDM analytics comes from the work that we've done in the assessment phase with our clients. And one of the things that we see when we're working with clients in that phase is that the value that we get is understanding sentiment. If you look at the entire organization and you compare that sentiment around DEI to what leaders think about what's happening in that organization. And so being able to get specific data so that the organization can say, here's what I think is happening, but here's what's actually happening. And being able to provide data and to visualize that data makes that more powerful. And so what we're doing is to extend what a lot of organizations start with, which is demographic driven data. We want to expand that to include data around inclusion and how uh, members of the organization feel around how they're being included. Uh, we want to look at things around equity or pay equity as an example, or the uh, assignments that folks from different groups get access to. Uh, we want to look at policies and practices and procedures around recruitment and how supplier diversity is incorporated into how our organization is functioning. And then we want to look at things like succession planning and how the employee resource groups are being incorporated into the overall business strategy, and then look at how learners in that organization are making progress. And we want to look at that data across the entire company. So we don't want the data to just be relegated to HR because that data often mm -hmm. is passive and you can't tell what's happening. You want to be able to give leaders in the organization, whether they're in finance or sales and marketing, access to data to see how they can move the needle in their respective parts of the organization to make progress, especially as it relates to hiring talent and seeing that talent progress and grow in the organization. We're uh, starting the process of building a set of benchmarks so that we can look at how one organization compares to another organization so that they can get a score to see where they are on this continuum of just getting started or initial competence to an organization that's more competent and is at the point where they're ready to kind of optimize and do some um, higher level things in terms of the impact on the business that they will be able to, to show. I would have to imagine, Kurt, that data really helps also to demonstrate the business effectiveness of this kind of work. Any member of the C-suite is concerned with bottom line, how we can prove and show that greater emphasis on DEI work within any organization really does impact the bottom line in so many ways positively. Right. And so that—that that is, you, you summed it up perfectly. We provide leaders with access to real-time uh, data mm. so they can see how it's impacting the business. And so that's that's exactly right. Now, one thing that I don't know about, and I'm really curious to learn, is TDM Labs. Right. So Diversity Movement Labs or TDM Labs is a place where we can look at lots of different concepts based on what we're learning as we work with clients. And so the thing that I love about our model is that we're able to use our client learnings to figure out how to build things to be even more helpful to our clients at scale. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was the impetus behind TDM Labs and beginning to create an incubator of ideas and concepts within the business. The first thing that we're starting with is a conversational artificial intelligence assistant to help people in conversations. And so one of the things that we're seeing 
is that to your point before, there are many people who want to dig in and, and make progress on DEI, but they don't know who to talk to and often are silent because they don't feel equipped to have conversations. And so what we want to provide is an access to a virtual assistant to have dialogues or ask questions about. So what is what does code switching mean? What does transgender mean as, as an example? Uh, is it possible for someone who's non-white to have privilege? So those are some of the questions that we often hear, or what's the difference between equity and equality? And we want to provide a place where people can have those, those conversations, but do that in the context of having a conversation with a virtual expert. And so we're, yeah. that's one example of something that we're beginning to look at. Or uh, another concept we're examining is getting to know people on a different basis as you're interacting and doing team building. So wouldn't it be cool if you and I were on this call and then something popped up that says, Sharon is an extrovert and she likes public speaking and she uh, likes fitness and is very much into health. And so these are the things you should talk about. And you shouldn't talk about these other things because she doesn't respond well to them. Um, and so if you knew that information about people as you were interacting, you'd have better conversations and you have better interactions. And so we're looking at building something to help facilitate more effective team building. Another concept we're looking at is, you know, what if you were putting out messages from your customer service team and you wanted to make sure that those messages were inclusive and weren't offensive? And so looking at technology to help uh, facilitate that uh, automatically. You know, I think about AI and mm -hmm. all of these chat boxes. Who is building the language for the chat boxes? What do the teams look like? Right. Do they have diverse teams? And it's just going to get more and more and more, you know, think about robocalls and so much is becoming automated. How can we add to that conversation to make sure that people are using inclusive coding, programming, all of it within that chat box piece? And, and like you said, having this virtual assistant that you could ask things to, that's, that's really cool stuff, Kurt. So those are, those are just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the things that we're beginning to explore. Our goal is, as we think about the technologies, a lot of times folks think about technology first without the problem uh, that we're mm. trying to solve. And so that's that's how we're starting is we have a problem. What do we how do we more effectively make sure that we're engaging organizations as they're doing work so that not only are they getting the assessment and the learning, but they have a set of tools that are helping them change behavior to make that organization more effective in uh, making the employee experience amazing. And that drives uh, the business results that they're looking for. I love it. So many things happening. Uh, you know, I, I think about the acceleration of TDM and, and where we were just, you know, 12, 18 months ago and, and to where we are now. And I'm really excited for the future and, and what's to come. And, and thank you for your leadership on on doing all of this and putting this all out there and allowing us to experiment and try all sorts of new things in this really incredibly important space. Well, thank you, Sharon. It's been a pleasure doing this with you. And who would have imagined uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in January of 2020 that we'd uh, be where we are now? So it's been an amazing ride. And thank you for your, your help and partnership in doing that. Thank you. I'm really uh, honored to be a part of this. So thanks very much, Kurt. Thanks so much, Sharon. Looking in someone else's
Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll be back soon with another episode. Make sure to visit our website at thediversitymovement.com for more podcasts, white papers, videos, blogs, and tools to introduce DEI and innovation to your organization. If you found value in this show, be sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, or simply tell a friend about the show. And to experience DEI and innovation in action, please check out our TDM Connect app when you visit our website. This episode was edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Kurt Merriweather, and we'll see you next time on Winning with Diversity. And watch how it goes